Happy New Year. How are you guys doing? Do you feel good? I mean, you guys are excited for a 930 service. I mean, the 1130 people think you guys are crazy to be here so early, and you've been up since 6 o'clock, so I don't know what they're thinking, but you're ready for a great start in this new year, aren't you? That's why you're here, because you want to look to God first, because he's got great plans for you this year. So let's just stop and let's just go to him and pray to him and, and let's just commit 2024 to God. I mean, you're starting it right, to commit it to him, to give it to him, because that's when you experience his blessings in your life. That's when you start experiencing all of him and all that he wants for you. So let's just do that together. Dear God, we come before you today and we recognize how much we need you. As we start another year, Lord, with new hopes, new dreams, new beginnings, a fresh start, a clean slate, Lord, we want to dedicate this year to you. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our failures and regrets and sins and things that we didn't do that you called us to do last year, and we thank you for your grace. But Lord, we just give this year to you, and we ask you to do something so powerful in our lives, in our church. It just makes all the difference that changes us forever so that this time next year, we will look more like you, Jesus. That we'll be more of what you've called us to be. We'll know more of you, look more like you, and experience more of your blessings in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. In 2020, Jen Sherman, a Peloton instructor, was leading a live class, and she played a song from the movie Tenet. Then she started criticizing the movie, saying it was just a total waste of her time. She said, it was two and a half hours of my life that I want back. Now, what Jen Sherman didn't know was the director of the movie, Christopher Nolan, was taking her class at that very moment. And that didn't come out until just recently when Christopher Nolan, the award-winning director who received Oscar nominations for his movies Inception, Dunkirk, The Dark Knight, and this year's Oppenheimer was receiving an award. And he told the story about the Peloton instructor who criticized his film and criticized him while he was doing everything he could just to stay on that bike. (laughs) Now, can you imagine... You're on your bike, giving it your all, and then your virtual instructor says, you got this, you can do it. And oh yeah, you're bad at your job. (laughs) Give it all you got, come on, you can do it, Peloton. And you're terrible at what you do. I think it usually goes the other way with the one who's taking the class, cussing out the instructor. Like this guy whose wife gave him for Christmas, uh, three weeks of personal training at a local health club. And he starts by having a diary of three weeks. He says, I called the club, scheduled my workouts for 6 a.m. They assigned a woman named Kayla to be my fitness instructor. Monday, 6 a.m. It was tough to get out of bed, but it was all well worth it when I arrived at the fitness club and met Kayla, who was waiting for me. She had a beautiful smile, and she was especially fit. She took my resting heart rate and was a little surprised that it was so high as she felt my pulse. She was inspiring as I did the exercises. 
although my gut was hurting from holding it in the whole time when she was around. This is going to be fantastic. Okay, fast forward a week to the next Monday in his diary. It was exhausting just to get out of bed this morning. Every muscle in my body aches. Kayla was impatient with me, insisting my screams bothered the other club members. Her voice was just a little too perky this early in the morning. She put me on the stair monster again. Why would anyone invent a machine to simulate activity rendered obsolete by elevators? And then the third Monday, he writes this, I hate Kayla. I hate her more than any human being in the history of the world. Her voice is grating, she's mean, she's ugly. She's the whole reason I'm overweight and don't like to work out. Well, today, I want you to be encouraged. I'm not here to criticize you. I'm not here to tear you down. We're all in the same boat. I do believe God wants to change every one of us. So if God came to you today and he told you he would miraculously change one thing about you or your life, what would you want it to be? Maybe you'd say, can it be more than one? And maybe 50 things I need to change. But maybe that one thing would be something you need to stop doing, like stop worrying all the time, stop overeating and lose 30 pounds, stop procrastinating, stop being late, stop drinking too much, stop negative thinking. Or maybe that one change would be something you need to start doing, like start reading my Bible every day, start exercising, get out of debt, eat healthy, or maybe it's a new habit or a change in your character or a change in how you relate to others that brings about a breakthrough in your marriage or in your business or in your family. I believe God wants to create something new and powerful in your life this year. He wants to create new growth in your character, in your relationships, in your business practices. But does it feel like you've kind of hit a wall in your personal growth? Do you feel like it's really hard to change? I know I do. I mean, you keep trying to change, but you keep failing. And then you feel shame because you failed. But then after a little while, you try again, you get up a little courage, you go for it again, and then you fail again. Do you feel stuck in some area of your life where you can't seem to change? I really believe God wants to create a new beginning in your life starting today. You may have the same goals that you had for the last three years, but you failed. But God wants to give you a fresh approach, a reset, a refresh, a new process for change that really works. To experience a new beginning, we gotta go back to the beginning. Because the same process God used to create the world is the same creative process he wants to use in your life to create a genesis of growth in your life, a genesis of new beginnings and change in your life. So I want you to look at Genesis chapter one, verse one. We're gonna go back to the very first verses of the Bible. We're gonna read the first three verses, and then this week, I want you to read all the other verses in the Bible by the end of the week. No, I said I was gonna be encouraging to you. 
Some of you, like me, have started the one-year Bible. I I wish there was a 50-year Bible. That would be more my pace, but I know that God wants us to look at these first three verses because there's something so powerful in Genesis chapter one. So would you stand in honor of God's word? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You can be seated. I think the first four words of the Bible say it all. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And all new beginnings begin with God. It all starts with God. All positive and powerful change starts with God. All growth starts with God. When you become a Christian, the Bible says you become a new creation. You get a new heart, a new true self, a new power, a new purpose, a new spirit. But you still have the same old flesh. Until you get to heaven, you're gonna have the same old flesh and your flesh wants to do things that will destroy you. Your flesh wants to do what your flesh wants to do. Your flesh is selfish. Your flesh wants to eat too much. Your flesh wants to lust, to lie, to not read the Bible, to not pray. And that's why we do things we never planned on doing. That's why no high school star athlete will say, My goal in life is when I turn 50, I'll be 50 pounds overweight and pre-diabetic. Yes, that's my goal. No, none will say that, but many will end up that way. It's our flesh. That's why nobody goes into marriage thinking, if we can just get maybe five or six years out of this thing, that'd be great. No, everyone goes into marriage thinking, this is forever, but half of all marriages end in divorce. It's our flesh. That's why we need God to keep changing us. We need his power so we can live according to our true selves rather than do whatever our flesh feels like. That's why all lasting change starts with God and God's power because without God's power, you can't overcome your flesh. So I have to surrender to God's power every day and let him take me through his creative change process. So in the beginning, God. That's where it all starts, with God. Not with you, with God. It's not about me, it's about God. He has the power to change us. So in the beginning, God created. Now what was the process he went through to create a genesis of change? Because it's the same process he wants to take me through over and over again to change my life. Well first, there was light. And that's inspiration from heaven. In Genesis 1-3, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So first, God creates light. And light is growth and change. It always starts with light. It starts with illumination from God, inspiration from God, a vision for your life from God, an idea from God, light. And that comes from the truth of God's word, the light of his truth. In Psalm 119-105, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So God's word lights our path. God's word lights the way for change because the truth of God's words start changing the way you think. If you're gonna start acting differently, you have to start thinking differently about yourself. 
The reason we do what we do, even our worst habits, is because we're believing a lie about ourselves. We start accepting things that we're told about ourselves. We start accepting things the enemy tells us about ourselves. We start accepting lies that we believe about ourselves. And we start acting that way. When our son Josh was a teenager and in college, I recognized that he had creative gifts like me, only he was much more gifted because he had musical gifts and I have no musical gifts whatsoever. When I tell people that, they think I'm just being humble and then if they sit next to me while I'm singing, they're like, no, you really don't have any musical gifts. I mean, I praise God and I love to sing, but don't stand by me when I sing. I thought you were just being humble, Pastor Kerry, but man, you're telling the truth. You're terrible. But Josh has these musical gifts. He's creative. But I also recognized he had some of the deficiencies that I have. I'm not very mechanical. Usually when I try to fix things around our house, I just make it worse, and then we have to call someone out and pay more. So I just mentioned a few times as Josh was growing up that, hey, you're like me, Josh. You're not very mechanical. You're creative, but you know, you just aren't great at fixing things. I'm not either. And Josh never did anything mechanical, but when he married Kelly, she watched him restring his guitars and restore guitars. She told him, you are mechanical. That's not true that you can't fix things or build things. I think you'd be really good at that. And before you knew it, he became the DIY dude of our family. It's not saying much, but still, he is my DIY hero. It's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I mean, you can put up a shelf on your bookcase. That's awesome. No, really, he started building bookcases and cabinets and built-ins, putting in sinks and toilets. He built a fireplace and a mantle in his house. He built their kitchen table. And last week, he put a new faucet in our house. And I was like, wow, this really works. It's amazing. He stopped believing the lie that I told him that he wasn't mechanical or a do-it-yourself guy. Now, I'm still intentionally believing the lie about myself, so I won't have to do any of it. I'm choosing, I'm choosing that lie wisely. But you know, there are people that put these things on you, and we just accept them. Well, I'm not a morning person. You know, I'm really grumpy in the morning, or, or whatever it may be, We have these things put upon us and we just start believing that's us. We act like what we believe about ourselves. Look at Romans 12, 2, because this is what it comes down to. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So transformation starts In the mind, our minds have to be renewed. And God's word, that light of God's word, the light of truth about ourselves starts dispelling the lies. Transformation always starts in the mind. To change, you first have to change the way you think about yourself. We try to change with our actions before we deal with the root issue. And that's how we think. You can't change the way you act until you change the way you think. And then we start attaching our identity to our actions. You yell at the kids and you think, I'm a bad parent. You don't read the Bible for a week and you think, I'm a bad Christian. I'm worried again, I'm anxious, so I'll always be a worrier. That's who I am. 
But that's not true. There are times you'll mess up. But that's not who you are if you're a Christ follower. That's not your identity. And the devil will tell you lies about yourself. And if you start believing them, it will keep you from changing. And that's why he whispers those lies and you think it's you thinking it because he wants to keep you from changing. He wants to keep you feeling like a failure so you're not effective for God. And he'll say, you'll never change. You don't have what it takes. You'll never be enough. You're worthless. You're a spiritual failure. You'll never be pure. You'll never be financially free. And if you believe those lies, you will be stuck. Change happens when you let the light of truth break through. And that light, it comes from God's word. So just let me give you one promise from God's word, one statement from God's word about who you are. In Romans 8, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised in life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. First, it says God is not condemning you. Now, when I sin, he convicts me. His Holy Spirit convicts me, and that's to bring me back to himself because he loves me. But Christ is not condemning you. Christ took our condemnation and punishment on the cross. It's Satan who condemns us. The Bible says that he's always accusing the saints You aren't worthless. You are priceless because of Christ. You're not a victim. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. You have what it takes in Christ. You're enough in Christ. You can have victory over lust with Christ's power. You can have victory over anxiety with Christ's power. You can heal from that hurt with Christ's power. You can change with Christ's power because that's who you are. Maybe you're just not living like who you are because you're believing a lie. To change, you have to change the way you think about yourself. And you need the light of truth over and over again. So what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your life? Studies show that two people can go through the same trauma while one gets stuck and the other one makes it through. And it's all about how they see their story. If they see that Their story is, I've gone through all this hurt. No wonder I'll never get through this. I've gone through more hurt than most people would ever go through, and it wasn't fair. But if they see their story as, I went through all of that pain. It was awful. But with God's power, I overcame it, and I know that my story is a good one, and God has even used that to bring me to this place. It's part of my story, but it wasn't the end of the story because God brought me through and he showed me that he will always be there, that he is a healer. See, if you're a Christ follower, your hurt doesn't have the last say. Your story is a healing story. If you're a Christ follower, your sins aren't the story. Your story is a redemption story. Your failures don't define you. Your story is a comeback story. The light of God's word, his truth, says to you, 
You are more than enough because of what I've done. You are righteous in me. I don't condemn you. No, I've forgiven you. Now live in the light of my truth. See, we need to put God's truth in our lives every day because we think these thoughts that the enemy puts in our minds, and we think it's just us thinking it. And that negative cycle goes over and over again. You know, that playlist of negativity is just constantly playing because Satan wants it to be there and he puts it there and we have to reject that because it's just lies. Until you change the way you think about yourself, you'll never change your actions. And so we wanna start with that with God's light. And so Monday through Friday, over the next few weeks in this new year, we're gonna have our video devotional. It's gonna be on all our social media sites, all our platforms, our website. And we want you to go to that. It's a five-minute devotional, and it's all about discovering the new you. It's who you've been if you've been a Christ follower. It's who you are if you just became a Christ follower. But you need to discover who you really are in Christ, your identity in Christ. And we're going to give all the promises, all these promises that tell you who you are, and it's the truth. And once you start believing that truth over the next few weeks and you put that into your life, and so really connect every day for five minutes. It'll go up early in the morning and you can connect before you go to work, before you start your day, or you can connect at night. And if you miss a couple of days, that's okay, just catch up because they'll all be there. But you need to change the way you think. The only way you do that is with light, the truth from God's word. Now, the second principle in God's creative process is land. And that's the practical application on earth. In Genesis 1, 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. So light is inspiration and truth from heaven and land is practical application on earth. It's where change gets down to earth. It all starts with God and the light of his truth, then it comes right down to where we live in the form of habits. The person you'll become this time next year will be determined by the habits you start now. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, first, I want you to see that he uses the word training twice. This is important because to develop a habit, you have to stop trying and start training. Usually, when we start a new habit, we're trying to change, and we try for a while, we get tired of trying, we quit, we feel guilty about quitting, but then we get some courage to try again, and then we fail because trying doesn't work. Training does. It's a mind shift. I'm not trying to change, I'm just in training. And so if you miss a couple of workouts, it's not that you failed, you're in training. Maybe you're not training as hard as you should, but you're in training. You're in constant training to become more of what God's called you to be, whether it's physical, spiritual, relational. Trying doesn't work, but training does. And then he goes on to say, spiritual training's even better than physical training. He says, physical training is good because it gives you 
energy. God wants you to take care of your body. Your body's the temple of God. And so that's one of the things Chris and I are working on this year in training. And we've got a long way to go in our training. But God wants us to take care of the temple and not trash the temple. And so that's important to God. But even more important is spiritual training. Because when you're in spiritual training and you grow spiritually, it changes every area of your life. Not just here on this earth, but throughout eternity. And I want to share with you three spiritual habits that every Christian who really makes a difference in the world has in their life. Every Christian who is victorious has these three habits in their life. I don't know of any Christian who makes a difference in this life, who lives victoriously, who doesn't have these three habits in their life. The first one is a daily time with God, the habit of a daily time with God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so all scripture is inspired by God. It comes from God, and when you start putting it into your life, it starts changing you. So if you spend some time with God every day, reading your Bible, writing down, and this is key. You read your Bible. It's not so important how much you read every day, but just if you read five minutes and just go in order, you know? Read through the book of Psalms. Read through the book of John, one chapter a day. And then you have a notebook and you write down what you're learning. I always write down, and Chris and I do it in very different ways because we have different personalities. There's no right way to have your daily quiet time with God, but we'll do it in different ways. I'll always write down the date, and then I'll write down prayer, and I'll pray, God, just open my eyes today to see what you want me to see so I can put it in my life, and I'll check that, and then I'll write down what God showed me today. And then I'll write down some things that God showed me after I read, you know, that chapter or a couple of chapters, and, and I'll, I'll write it down. Maybe it's a verse that stands out and how it applies to my life. And then I ask the Lord to guide me throughout the day. Just five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes with God can make all the difference. Because the two things that change your life the most are the books you read and the people you hang out with. That's what changes your life. And if you read God's book and you hang out with God, you're gonna be a totally different person in just a few weeks. You'll keep becoming more like him. You'll keep living in your true self and not believing the lies. It'll change your actions. And so that habit, and, and here's the thing, you're in training, so maybe you'll do great for a couple of weeks and then you'll miss a couple of days. Well, what do you do when you miss a meal? You say, well, I am so bad at eating, I will never eat again. I give up. This is worthless, this eating thing. I missed a meal. No, you just eat more the next meal, don't you? And that's what you do. Maybe you miss two or three days of your quiet time. You'll say, well, I'm worthless at this. I didn't have my quiet time every day, and now I can't do it all year long, 365 days. No, you just go back and, and you eat a little more of God's word. And just get right back with it because God's not condemning you. He's just drawing you back to himself. The habit of a weekly, of a daily time with God is the most important habit you could ever develop because it changes everything in your life. But then there's a second thing, the habit of a weekly tithe to God. That's putting God first in your finances. In Leviticus 27.30, it says, 
One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. This is the principle of the tithe. It's given back God the first 10%. It's taught all throughout the Bible. Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament. And it's giving God the first 10% to show that he's first place in your life and trusting his promise that he's gonna bless the rest. And it's so important in the new year to get started right, to put God first in your day with a daily time with him, and then to put God first in your finances by giving him the first 10% and watching what he does in the other areas of your finances during the year. This ha- I don't know any Christian who's strong in the Lord that doesn't practice these habits. I just don't know anyone. These are the three habits of highly successful Christ followers. And so get started right. Do it however, you know, that makes it consistent in your life because it's just a habit. Maybe do recurrent giving. So it's just every time you get paid, boom, that 10% comes out because it's like your house payment because God's more important than your house. But get started. Make a commitment this year. And then there's the habit of fellowship. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see that the day of the Lord is coming near. God wants us to meet together. That's what you're doing. That's why you're starting the new year right because God commands us to meet together, to worship together. Don't get in the habit of not being at church with God's people because that's where you get a realignment. You spend time with God during the week to stay on course, but we, we get out of line. Our life gets out of line and we start seeing our problems as overwhelming. You come to church, you worship, you focus on God, and then your problems come into perspective because you see how great and big God is. You know, when I was in high school, college, when I was a young man, I I can tell you there were times where I felt like I don't wanna go to church today. But at those times, I'd go to church. That's when God would speak to me the most. And today, I didn't feel like going to church. And God is speaking to me right now through his word. No, I'm just kidding about that. I was excited today (laughs) to go to church. But some of you, you know, know, it's like, you know what? I need to go to church, but I don't know. I got a lot of things to do today. It's a beautiful day. Maybe I could get outside, go do something. I got a lot of choices today. But you chose to come to church, and God's speaking to you right now. He's doing something in your life through his word that's gonna change your life forever. That's because going to church is a habit. Meeting together is not, oh, I feel like going to church today. Many days, many weekends, you will. But on the days that you don't, it's a habit and you come and then you feel it because your actions change your feelings. You see, what you believe changes your actions, and then your actions change your feelings. Those feelings come along last, but most of us, we let our feelings guide our whole life. That's where we make a mess of things. Instead of letting God and those habits guide our lives. You also need a life group. You need the large group for worship, and then you need a life group, a group of people who are going through the same stuff, same age, same stage, where you meet, in a house and you get together, you eat together, you get to know each other and you got people to go through life with and that's why we're starting all these new life groups in January and in February. You need to get in a life group. It'll change your life. And so the land is that practical application on earth but it's also new possibilities on earth. 
See, the light is the inspiration from God's promises, and the land is the possibilities on this earth, the new realities, the new possibilities this year. Whatever God gives you vision and inspiration and light, he also gives you new opportunities and new possibilities, but you have to look for them. So my prayer for us this year is that God will give us spiritual eyes to see those new possibilities and those new opportunities in our lives because many times huge possibilities and opportunities come our way, but we're not looking for them. We don't really see it because sometimes those possibilities are disguised as problems. When God created the land, he created mountains and valleys. He created deserts and oceans. And sometimes the land, the opportunity here on this earth that God gives us comes in the form of a mountain, an obstacle, or it comes in the form of a desert. And we experience a really dry time in our lives where the heat is on and the pressure rises and we don't see it as an opportunity or a possibility at all. But you see, there are new possibilities disguised as new problems. And until I have spiritual eyes to see, I'll never move into that place of blessing that God has for me. See, every year you get new problems, and that's good news because if you just had the same old problems year after year, it'd wear you out. And I can guarantee you this year, you'll have new possibilities, new opportunities, but you'll also have new problems. And many times the greatest possibilities and the greatest problems are one and the same. That's why we need spiritual eyes to see that because most of the time it's the very problem I face that becomes the bridge that God wants to use to take me into his place of blessing. Now I wanna share with you the benefits of the light of God's truth and the benefits of practically applying it on earth of doing those two things that were the order of God's creative process, you just go to the next thing that God created, and that's life, that's personal growth. In Genesis 1, 11 and 12, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. So God next creates life. And when you get the light of God's truth into your life, you start applying it in habits here on this earth, then you're filled with life. It's all about life. Life change. People ask us all the time, what's the secret to Woodland Church? And we always say, life change, because God changes lives. And people tell everybody about how their life has been changed by the Lord God. It's all about God's power to change our lives. And so, it's life change. You come alive. You start living from your true self. And and it's also productivity. It's fruitfulness, because you you just continue to produce fruit in your life. You continue... God continues to work through you to be productive and effective. That's life. But then there's another benefit, and that's what it's really all about, likeness. I'm really giving you the alliteration. I'm being a preacher today, giving you alliteration, you know? It's tough to think about words that all start with L and that fit. I mean, that's tough. You gotta give me credit for that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's really not that tough, but anyway, uh, likeness is becoming 
more like Christ. That's what it's all about. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the next thing God created, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so God creates human beings in his own image, in his likeness. And so that's what it's all about, the whole goal of change. What God's trying to do as he's changing us and giving us the power to change is to make us look more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's why he's more interested in your character than your comfort. I always say he's chipping away all those things in your character that don't look like Jesus. It's like the great Michelangelo when he was asked, how in the world did you sculpt David? He said, I just chipped away everything that didn't look like David. No, that's really pompous right there. You know, it's like, But that's really what God's doing. He's chipping away all the rough edges and he uses his word, he uses problems. He uses all kinds of things to chip away the rough edges of our character that don't look like Jesus so we'll become more like his son because that's the whole purpose to prepare us to rule and reign in eternity, to become more like Jesus Christ. But then there's leverage and this is really powerful it's multiplying God's blessings. In Genesis 1:28, the next thing God said is, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God blessed them and said, multiply. And what's amazing is when God gives you light and you apply it in your habits, you become more like Christ, you're filled with life, and then God leverages it. He blesses you to be a blessing. It's like God gives our worship team these ideas for songs, and what they're thinking of is how it applies to you. And they write these songs for you and for us so that we can sing and worship the Lord. And when they do that, God multiplies it, and other churches sing it. It makes a difference. God blesses so you'll be a blessing. And God wants to bless you this year so you'll be a blessing. He wants to multiply his word in your life. He wants to multiply those good things that he gives you in your life because he wants to leverage all that comes from heaven so that heaven comes to earth. But then there's a last thing that's really important and that is limits. That's surrender to God's power to change because you can't change without God's power. In Genesis 2-2, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. You see, limitless God placed limits on himself so that we could see that we need limits. He didn't have to do that, but he did it. So he'd be an example for us to follow, and that's why he said, you gotta have a Sabbath day, and a Sabbath day is just a day of rest, it's your day off. My day off is Monday because I work on Saturday and Sunday. But you need a day off where you do something that you don't do during the week and you don't do on that day all the things that you usually do during the week. You know, you worship, you recreate, you recreate, you rest, you spend time with your family. It's all those things God says, When you do that, you're admitting your limits and that God is unlimited. 
and that you need him. You're admitting that you're human and you're not God. And see, every day we have to come to God and go, God, I surrender to you. I can't control my flesh, so I give up to your care and your control. God, I don't have the power to change, but you can change me. So just fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need your power. And thank you that I can do all things through you who strengthens me. Thank you that my true self is living for you. It's the greatest desire of my heart. Sometimes I don't do it. I don't act like my true self. I believe a lie, but that is my heart. And God, I need your power to change me. I want us to stand within church because that's what it really comes down to. It comes down to God's power, not willpower. And we have to remember that all the time. In training, it comes down to God's power. Stepping out, developing those habits, whether we feel like it or not, but we need God's power to see it through. And I want us just right now to admit that. And let's just commit the year to God's power. Dear God, we come before you today and we thank you for your power. We thank you that we can do all things through you who strengthens us. But Lord, I have to admit, I can't control my flesh. I can't control that I wanna, my flesh wants to eat ice cream every night. I can't control that, Lord. I, it's too strong for me. I can't control, Lord, my flesh that wants to do all these things that are destructive. But I thank you that that's not my true self. That's not who I am. And I thank you, Lord, that you have that power. So I just surrender to you. I admit I'm not God, that I have limits. I surrender to your power. I surrender to your plan this year. I surrender to your care and control. And I thank you that through you, I can do all that you've asked me to do. I can have victory in every area of my life. I thank you that through you, I'm gonna change this year in some of those areas that I haven't changed in. I thank you, Lord, for that, but I give you all the glory because I need your power. And I just pray today for every one of us that we would, when we hit that wall and we fail, that it would knock us to our knees so you can raise us up again. And we would just say, God, I can't do it, but you can through me. So I surrender again to your power and thank you for your power. Lord, I just pray for every one of us that you would just change us as we surrender to you each and every day, as we look to the light of your truth, and as we apply it to our lives here on this earth, that you'd bring about life, you'd make us more like you, Jesus, you would leverage it and bless us to be a greater blessing as we realize we have to depend on you. So we give you this year. We depend on you, and we thank you for all that you're going to do. And I pray for those who have never become a new creation, they've never received you into their life, that right now, today, as we start off 2024, they would just pray this prayer silently to you. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me of my sins and give me a fresh start and a clean slate. And I ask you to save me. I accept your free gift of salvation and heaven one day. I thank you that now I can do all things through you. Help me grow in my faith to get into your word and to apply it to my life. Be the Lord of my life from now on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer online or at one of our campuses here at Tascacita or here at the Woodlands or soon our new downtown campus, 
It's gonna be amazing. But if you receive Christ, you're a new creation, and now it's time to walk in him and start reading his word, believing him. Start living from your true self. Woodland Church, I believe it's never too late to trust God with your life and change, as long as you're breathing. If you're not breathing anymore, it's too late. As long as your heart's beating, I don't care what you did this last year, I don't care what you did last night, you have a new chance, a new start to be who God's called you to be, to walk in victory. It's never too late to take that step to being who you're always called to be. So let's do that. And by the way, some of you are waiting on God. Could it be that God's waiting on you to develop your character so he can give you those blessings he wants to give you? Because if he gave them to you now, you wouldn't be able to handle it. It'd be destructive. God's waiting on you this year to grow your character because he's waiting to bless you. And some of you are waiting on God. You're doing everything you need to do. You're following him with all your heart and you feel like God's not coming through it's never too late for God. He's always right on time. It's God's standard time. Sometimes I don't like it or agree with it because it seems like God's late sometimes in my life, but he's not. He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time, and he always comes through. It's never too late for him. So let's sing that. I love this Woodlands worship song. It's never too late. It's never too late for God to come through. Do you believe God's going to come through for you this year? that he's gonna do some things you've been waiting on him to do, then let's sing it to the Lord with all our hearts. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.